Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast, where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your host, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Ed. I hope you are. Well, I am trying to, Lee. You know, we took a little break for the holidays, and we're running a little late this week because you had to indulge me. I have what uh, President Trump so colloquially called the China virus, and uh, <laughs> it has kind of knocked me on my tail, but I'm trying to get back up. Uh, I'm under the latest guidance. I'm having to isolate for five days. Oh, wow. Um, but I still have a computer. I, I can still talk. And also, I've got my water, my cough drops, my tissue, and my finger poised above the cough button. So, well, that's that's good. Uh, this is your second bout. That's right, second time. It was uh, December after COVID started, so December of 2020. I made it two years, and before it found me again. Wow, that's too bad. Uh, knock on wood. It's it's the bad part of it is behind you. I certainly hope so. Uh, but, you know, the big story this week is something we touched on a couple of times over the last few months is this uh, speaker election in the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah. And uh, you kept asking me if I thought McCarthy would be the speaker. I said yes. And uh, I guess we're up to uh, 13, 14 votes now. He's picked up steam, but he hasn't got over the uh, the magic number yet. So uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, um, I don't think it's as... Um uh, uh, as chaotic a situation from a governmental standpoint as what I see in the news media. Um, I, I personally take a little comfort in the fact that nothing can get passed from a law standpoint uh, until there is a speaker, because we really don't have a, a house of representatives until they can be sworn in after the speaker is, is elected. But, but I, I'm troubled by Kevin McCarthy's either failure to understand that he didn't have the votes or, not caring or, you know, it, it just seems to me that th- this could have, should have been avoided one way or the other. It seems that he's given so much to try to get these, these last few votes to get over the hurdle that he's a, a weakened leader. And if one uh, disgruntled uh, member can, can bring a motion to, to have him removed, you know, you just you just wonder what, if anything, he can accomplish. Um, he certainly is not going to be able to get anything passed because even if he gets it through the House, it won't it won't get through the Senate. And if it gets through the Senate, is Biden probably is veto proof. But just his ability to keep the Democrats in line seems to me to be somewhat problematic if he's if he's stretched so thin and 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 so weakened by this. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, would this be happening if the Republicans had won 20, 30 votes uh, in a red wave? I say it wouldn't. Well, no, I don't think it would. And I heard, I think it was Lauren Boebert yesterday morning say that he, he Speaker or Leader McC- um, McCarthy, um, refused to talk to the members of the Freedom Caucus in the fall before the elections because he thought he didn't need them because he thought it was going to be the huge red wave that, that everyone else had, had thought it was going to be. And, um, and he sort of gave him the, the back of his hand and, and brushed him off. And, and now it turns out, Oh yes, he, you know, he does need them. And you know that, I don't know whether that's true or not. I, I assume she didn't just make that up, but it's, um, 
you know, I don't, I still don't know, even if that's true, why he didn't start scrambling as of early November to, to keep all this on the down low and, and get a deal done that would make him speaker on the first ballot. It's an interesting dynamic because, you know, I don't understand all the technicalities they seem to be arguing over in terms of the rules. Uh, seems kind of, you know, arcane to me. Some of it has to be personality driven. Yeah, I think a lot of it is a lot more than they want you to to know about. Yeah, and I can understand that that's just kind of the way of politics, perhaps in Washington. Uh, what's interesting, also, the other dynamic I see is that there's almost this idea that uh, the perfect is the enemy of the good here. And oh yeah, I've used that expression before, but in the sense that you know we're in this time of, of so much divisiveness and, and almost people wanting ideological purity. And you can see that between the parties. Now you're seeing it internally within a party. Yeah. And it seems to be ideological purity and complete and total on every issue. Um, you know, the, this business of, and I saw a quote earlier in the week, and I, I, I think it was from Ronald Reagan that said, you know, somebody that disagrees with you 20% of the time is not your enemy. He's your ally. And I think that's been lost. And I think that, you know, it sounds like, uh, and I, I admire Chip Roy a great deal, and and I frankly tend to agree with him most of the time. I mean, you know, maybe ninety nine percent of the time. You know, he he he's driving this, and I don't think his motives are personal. Um, but you know, he wants a an obligation to bring a a balanced budget to the floor, and and, and so forth and so on, and. But it really stands in contrast with the discipline that Nancy Pelosi, as much as I dislike her policies, um, she was or is a masterful politician in terms of keeping the Democrat caucus marching in lockstep at every turn. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. She uh, she was able to control her caucus. You know, and, and one of the reasons I would just say is that the Democrats tend to go with whatever progressive idea there is. And uh, the more progressive, the more liberal, the more out there, they just kind of flock to that viewpoint. Uh, I think Republicans still have some nuances. Yeah. So do you think this goes past tonight's vote? Yeah. We're currently recording on Friday. Normally we would record on, on Wednesday, but uh, it's Friday and they're scheduled to meet back at 10 o'clock tonight. You think they'll finally uh, resolve it? I, I, I kind of have a feeling he gets over it either tonight or I don't know when they're going to, if they'll vote again tomorrow. Um, I, I haven't kept up with it that much this afternoon. Um, I think he gets over it pretty quickly. Um, the, some of the caving, it, it will build momentum, I think, almost like a, an old time political convention. And, you know, you don't want to be the last two or three that hold out, or you don't, you certainly don't want to be the last one that holds out, it, it, particularly holding out if he gets over the top because, you know, payback can be difficult. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, you, you, I wonder, I, <clears throat> I see where representative Dan Bishop, who's been our guest, he flipped to McCarthy this afternoon, uh, I think. Um, and uh, I saw some praise for him from, from some folks that aren't in favor of McCarthy, but they were saying that, you know, I think that sent a, sent a message to 
the holdouts that if, if he's on board, then this is, this is what we need to do. And, you know, I think he's been promised to either keep or get a seat on the judiciary committee where he can help um, focus some of the investigations that the Republicans will want to do. And, and so I think that's a positive. Well, I agree. Uh, you know, I think 14, 15 switch today, including Congressman Bishop. And so I, I don't think it goes past tonight. I think they'll they may do it twice tonight, 10 and then 1030 or whatever. But uh I think we'll have a speaker and then then they'll move on to other battles and we'll forget all about this. Um, I, I did see where some of the Republicans were complaining that they had to work a full week. Yeah, that stinks. And um, I, I, I tell you, if I were speaker and, you know, if, if there are 218 votes in the House for me, that that's fine. I'm more than willing to take it. One of the things that I'm going to do as part of my, quote, rules package, which is a, a phrase I'd never heard before this this issue cropped up this week, is, you know, we're going to schedule a vote, and we're going to vote in about 10 or 15 minutes. None of this keeping it open forever, and everybody's just hang, hanging around, you know, swapping stories and all this kind of stuff. Um, it, it, everything's going to be a yay or nay, and none of this voting present and whatnot. I mean, I, I and I say that facetiously, but I do think a constitutional amendment that requires each each issue in a, in a bill to be voted separately, you know, so we can't glom things on to uh, to other other provisions in a bill, and and that requires a a floor vote, yay or nay, so that there's a record and no more proxy voting. Yeah, no more proxy voting for sure, and and. You know, I'd like to think that it, that would matter to, to the voters, but I, I don't think it would. I don't think they care. No, I don't I think, think they reached, care about that stuff either. I, I think we've reached a point where, you know, all, all they want to know is, um, is the congressperson a, a Republican or a Democrat? And and then that person, whoever he or she is, will vote with the party. They don't, you know, nobody's a sort of a wild card anymore and everything's party line votes. Yeah. Now, the other big story, if I can change the subject, I guess, as to be the latest drop in the Twitter files or maybe the cumulative drops in these Twitter files. And, um, you know, I heard Matt Taibbi, the journalist who has been reporting on this the most, say this on Tucker Carlson the other night. I think we can say pretty conclusively after looking at tens of thousands of emails over the course of these weeks that the government was in the censorship business in a huge way. Uh, that's, I think, provable now. Uh, and not just one agency, really every conceivable wing of the enforcement uh, agencies of the U.S. government were in some way or another sending moderation requests to Twitter. And in many cases, those requests were being fulfilled. And they were coming from everywhere, from every place, from the NSA to the HHS to FBI, DHS, uh, and even what they call other government agencies, which I think is code for the CIA. So we have yeah, reports from all over, from states, from police departments, everywhere. What do you think about that, Lee? It's basically that what we talked about, the deep state before, all of these administrative agencies telling Twitter what to take off of their platform. You know, Ed, if a year ago, certainly four or five years ago, somebody had written that, They'd have been laughed out of town or uh, the building where they were presenting it. 
you know, and, and, and yet here we are, it's, it's, they're smoking guns. Adam Schiff is probably one of the worst people on the planet. I mean, his hands are all over this. He just outright lied. And that's a good point because Matt Taibbi didn't even mention Schiff, but Schiff was was making these so-called moderation requests to Twitter about journalists, a particular journalist who had criticized him yeah. and his committee's work. You know, it, it it's it's scary. And what's worse, and we talked about this uh, maybe in our last show, if not, you know, maybe the one before that, it, the mainstream media is not covering this. Average mom and pop American don't know anything about this. I'm just I'm shocked. Um, Here's where I wonder if it will pick up some steam in the mainstream media. And it's because it seems to have evolved from a a partisan argument uh, with Democrats versus Republicans and whether there was bias in big tech to something which might be a little more nonpartisan, which is government censorship, because that's really what it got to. And, yeah, it was all kind of directed toward Republicans, but it's the idea that the government is censoring people. Right. And, you know, just because the Democrats were able to do it this time doesn't mean, you know, election issues aside, that the Republicans won't be in charge in the future and able to do that to the Democrats. And that would be just as wrong. Um, but I'm troubled. Uh, there was an interview that Amy Klobuchar gave on one of the Sunday talk shows. I'm not sure if it was the Sunday after Christmas or last Sunday, where, where she basically came out in in favor of some censorship for, for, for things that she and I guess people of her ilk determined to be, quote, misinformation. And, you know, of course, that's the same thing as what goes on in China and what went on in the Soviet Union and East Germany uh, and, and all sorts of despotic regimes. And that's the, the slippery slope. You know, once that happens, it's game over. Um, and, I, you know, what? I can't imagine that 20 years ago a senator could have gone on a Sunday talk show and said that with a straight face and there not been a great deal of hue and cry from the from the public and the media. They would have been considered so far outside of the mainstream of either party that they would have been just viewed as a kook. That's right. You know, Klobuchar ran for president yeah. uh, and may run again. It, it, they would have been considered un-American by, by, by people on both sides. You know, and the ACLU, which exists to stand up for our civil liberties, would have led the charge. And now, uh, you know, they're not to be heard from on this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, there's apparently still some Twitter files that are going to come out, particularly dealing with uh, Fauci and uh, his role. So we know at least those are still uh, supposed to be coming. We don't know what else, but uh, it's been an interesting story. Uh, the other thing, I, or last thing I kind of had on my list, Lee, was that, you know, we've been hitting Biden pretty hard for the Biden border crisis and what's going on at the Southern border. He's finally going to go to, El Paso to see the situation. I understand they're trying to clean it up before he gets there. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's a. Well, let me ask it this way: Is this a a substantive visit, or is this a check the box? 
This is a check the box visit with a purpose because in two or three months, you're going to start seeing stories in the media about how Biden came in and solved this situation at the southern border. And uh, everything they can do to point to an improvement will be because he solved this problem that Republicans left him with. Yeah. Well, um, you know, and, and I, I recall our, our, our visit several weeks ago from Todd Vinsman. Mr. Vinsman was reporting, well, since Thanksgiving, I think, that there has been an illegal move by CBP or some organization within DHS to um, pre-vet folks who are coming from another country seeking um, asylum such that whatever quote unquote vetting is done is done in the other country via the internet. And then they're given the green light to come into the country. So they're quote, not entering illegally, even though they're economic refugees and should not under our law be granted refugees or asylum or refugee status. That is what Biden in his announcement the other day essentially said was his solution to the problem. And of course, his uh, app that he talked about, CBP-1, which he said was a new app, has ex- has been around for years. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know you know this, but he, he promoted the vice president in his press conference. He referred to her as President Harris. And, and that was not the first time he said that. Yeah. And and then he and she didn't correct him. And, you know, it puts her in a bad spot. I mean, do you correct the president or just pretend like you didn't hear it or, you know, just say it's a mistake and everybody knows it's a mistake. But he, he also screwed up the whole the whole uh, statement about the fentanyl and how much they had or fentanyl, however you say it, how much they had stopped and how many people that could kill. And he said two thousand pounds could kill or maybe it was twenty thousand pounds, whatever it was, could kill a thousand people. But. The experts say that's enough to kill everybody on Earth, and then some. Um, it's just it's just awful, and and it's you know we're we're going to look at sixty thousand people potentially a month coming across the border when Title Forty Two goes away, whenever that may be. And the current status of Title Forty Two is that the Supreme Court has kind of stayed anything else until they hear arguments. I think in February. Yeah. Um, so, you know, probably the end of the term before they release that decision, which puts us in June. Yeah, that that sounds like uh, likely to me as well. Um, so the border continues to, to be a problem. And so it's still a problem. And, and the latest numbers from December show huge increases over previous months and previous Decembers. I mean, it still hasn't been solved. Uh, I don't, and this trip to El Paso is not going to change anything. No, not at all. Uh, well, what's on your radar for the next week? Well, obviously the speaker race and, and the border. Uh, I think we'll probably begin to hear some more about Ukraine um, now that Christmas and the new year are over. Uh, I guess those folks, at least the Russians, and I assume the Ukraine Ukrainian people too, celebrate um, Orthodox Christmas. So that, I guess that's today. I think that's right. That's right. So uh, I think that'll, that'll kind of pop back up. But I, I did want to, Get your thought. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, did you see the press conference or the press briefing with uh, Corrine Jean Pierre? Uh, I think that's her name, the press secretary, 
where she was asked about the president not getting invited. I think the actual question was about him not going, but he was, as I understand it, told that he couldn't go. They didn't want him. Um, not going to Pope Benedict's funeral yesterday. Did you see that? I, I did not see that. I saw a headline about it, but that's probably well, something well, I missed yeah, when I was were, uh, um, sick. Uh, I don't even know who the guy was that was asking. It wasn't, it wasn't Mr. Ducey. Um, but he asked about it and she said, well, and she kind of went back to the beginning and she referred to him and this is all over the internet. She referred to him as Pope Emeritus Benedict the 16th. <laughs> and I thought, no, if that doesn't uh, encompass the incompetence of the Biden administration, Pope Emeritus. Well, remember, this is the same person you kept talking about the Nobel Prizes. Good point. Good and, point. Um, so it's, it's not the most talented group in the White House press office these days. No, it's not. What's on your radar? Well, just a just a couple of things. One is the situation in Mexico now. Uh, just over this last week, uh, Mexican military forces captured the son of I'll probably get this wrong, but a drug kin, kingpin named El Chapo, who uh, he previously was captured, sent to the U.S., and he's in the supermax prison where his son had kind of taken over and. And he's been captured, and now that drug cartel has just gone on a rampage. Uh, I've heard about them setting up checkpoints and, and shooting people. And as of earlier today, I heard 29 people were dead in whatever area of Mexico this is. Uh, and this is all in a, in a lead-up to uh, Biden meeting with the presidents of Mexico and Canada to talk about, or it's supposed to be about inter-hemispheric cooperation. So... Um, just, you know, more evidence of problems south of the border. Um, so that, that is. And then just a couple of updates I wanted to give about uh, past guests we've uh, had on this show. Tyler Lee, who ran for Congress against uh, Alma Adams in North Carolina's 12th Congressional District, announced a couple of weeks ago that he and his wife are expecting a baby. So congratulations oh, wow. to Tyler. Yeah, good for them. Uh, also... Uh, Melanie Standiford, uh, the Nebraska journalist who was fired for pro-life activities um, in her uh, church in her hometown. She has uh, put her name in the hat as appointment for the U.S. Senate for the vacancy from Nebraska. So we note those things and and wish them both well. Oh, wow. That's great. I hadn't heard that. All right. You got anything else for tonight? Uh. No, no, I don't think so. Oh, all right. I, I'm, I'm just glad I made it to the end of this episode without falling asleep. and You're having to, to wake me up or something. I am too. Now, now you can go sleep and, and get your rest and, and, and kick COVID's butt. That sounds like a plan. It does. Well, thanks for, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can email us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please click subscribe with your podcast provider and leave us a review.